This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. It's the late show with me, Tom Rogers, and we are, as always, absolutely live on Teachers Talk Radio. Two interviews coming up for you today. We've got Rose talking about Everton Rose, her popular YouTube channel. And we've also got a special interview with Phil Beadle coming up for you in the next hour or so. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Hopefully everybody can hear me loud and clear this evening. Do let me know if you can or you can't, or if I'm speaking into the abyss, uh, which is possible. Uh, But thank you and welcome, and thank you for joining us on Teachers Talk Radio. Um, And, you know, it's been, it's been, I'll tell you what, it's been a, it's been a busy day for people. I've been looking on social media, there's been a hell of a lot happening for people. Lots going on, lots to talk about. And um, I saw this tweet earlier on today uh, by Phil Beadle about marking. I thought, you know what, I'm going to see if I can speak to Phil about um, what he thinks, what what his thinking is behind this this tweet that he put out. Um, because I think as teachers, marking is, whenever you mention marking, it gets a response. Um, it's never as simple as, oh, it always gets an emotional response. And I think the reason for that is how long people have spent on it <laughs> in their careers. You know, certainly for me, if I was to add up the hours I've spent marking over the, the last 14, 15 years, it's it's a lot of hours. Um, and I think that's why, it, 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 and, and the fact that sometimes I think people doubt the results of that. And um, we've seen various reports come out about the effectiveness of marking. We've seen the EEF report, for example, talking about the effectiveness of marking. And that's something that I, I, I put to Phil earlier when I talked to him. So in a second, we're going to go to that interview. But just before I do that, if you want to make a comment, please, if you're listening on Podbean, you can make a comment by typing in the chat. If you are listening or watching on Twitter or YouTube or LinkedIn, you can make a comment on there and we'll actually put it on screen. So there's multiple angles where you can actually make comment on the on the late show today uh, from from all different angles, really. Um, so if you want to get involved in the conversation, then then just do that. Just make that comment, make that call. You can also call in. Um, I'm not saying you you should do that. It's a, a nerve wracking experience, is it? Is it though? I don't know. I I don't I don't think so. Come and have a chat with us. You know, we we're, we're teachers like you. We want to hear from you. Um, and and yeah, text us, call in, get involved in the conversation. Um, so what I'm going to do now, hopefully, uh, if my technology works today, I'm going to play a little interview with you with Phil uh, and hear what he had to say earlier on about his original tweet about marking. So sit back, enjoy, make sure you've got a, a cuppa in your hand and yeah, and listen up. I'm joined by Phil Beadle um, and I asked Phil to come on here. Uh, to talk about his little tweet earlier about marking and assessment because it it created a bit of a storm, didn't it, Phil? Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, Also, uh, just to be clear, Teachers Talk Radio does not endorse smoking. Um, We we think it is bad. I personally think it's crap. But 
Phil, in his own words, doesn't care. <laughs> so, That's so cool. my exact words, Tom. <laughs> so I, so I say, you know, fire away, and and certainly being on Zoom does help because my clothes aren't going to stink. So you know, there's no danger that's going to happen. Um, but I was going to ask you maybe before we get into that hallmark and an assessment palaver, do you want to just tell everyone real quick your like in a in a nutshell what you're currently doing and what you've done in your career up to this date? Right. What I'm currently doing is I'm a part-time school teacher on an estate called the Lakes Estate in Bletchley. Um, and I'm very, very lucky. The school is wonderful. The management is wonderful. My colleagues are wonderful. And the kids are just beyond belief wonderful. Um, prior to that, man, I've been teaching for 25 years and I've done a lot of things. Uh, I've written 12 books. Um, what else? I did write a column for the Education Guardian for 10 years before I got sacked for not really understanding the rules of middle class institutions. Um, I, in, in my imperial years, I was on telly quite a lot, but now I'm just the, the old bloke cursing at the back of the staff room that people think should retire. That's, I'm sure that's not true, Phil. I'm sure that's not true. Um, okay, now, interestingly enough, I'll, I'll just read your tweet out from earlier first so we can all um we can all hear it and see it um because this, this interview is going to be is going to be streamed on video but also um but also it will be on video too so let me read the tweet out let me just find the tweet here it is uh now i'll be honest phil you're gonna have to help me out here and this is showing my ignorance okay apropos yeah, apropos of nothing. So apropos, I believe, <laughs> I don't know, uh, is probably some kind of Latin or Greek rooted thing. Tabitha Macintosh will tell you. Sure. Uh, I, I believe means related to. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. Cool. 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 Right. Relating to my school inherited a student six weeks ago from a school that pretty that's pretty big on being warm, strict and knowledge rich. She was surprised and delighted to have her bookmarked every day. I asked what her old school was like. They don't care, said she. Now, uh, to read some of the replies to this, we've got uh, Adam Boxer. The idea that the only way to show a kid you care about them is by marking their book every day is pretty sad. Right, um, can I stop you there, Tom, because I think that's an infantile response. It's a complete straw man. I immediately blocked that buffoon. Um, to, to say that's, I didn't say it's the only way that you care. Mr. Boxer has a habit of arguing with straw men and I can't be asked to deal with it anymore. So he's blocked. Right, next. Tabitha the Macintosh. Everyday question mark, sweet Jesus. Well, I think it, it's, there, there are two elements to that. I'm brought into schools for very specific reasons. So the schools, needs a kind of really serious impact on English results. I'm an English teacher. This applies to my thoughts as an English teacher. I'm not a mathematician. My marking burden is very different to other people's. And there are two, two elements to it. One, I have a preferential timetable because I, yeah, if I'm asked to work in a school and they want me to guarantee that I'll re raise results, then I have to teach only three periods a day. I will do an after school class as well. Um, and that has a, a really substantial impact on one's ability to do marking, right? So you get in early, you mark. You teach uh, 
you, you have so just say three periods in the morning. Uh, and then I'm, I mark in the afternoon, I mark at lunch, I do an after school club. And then in, after that, I mark until I'm no longer able to mark and then traipse in the direction of the hotel and a really horrible chicken burger. Um, so <laughs> being on a, on a preferential timetable is one of the conditions that I work in the school because I prefer, and it's a, just a personal preference, to have, if I can do it, every single child's bookmarks for the next lesson. Now, sometimes I don't quite manage it, but generally speaking, I'm on top of it. The other element to that is being part-time. Now, the part-time argument, you can do it if you're part-time, is irrelevant. In uh, It was something I attempted to do when a full-time teacher, again, didn't always manage it, often failed, but had it as a, a, a personal value that... I think marking, and I think we'll probably all agree, is one of the harder elements of the job. And it's a thing that you can't fake. And I know a lot of people on the Twitter universe um, who are alleged to be, uh, or who allege themselves to be really good teachers. But there is a degree of fraudulence there. And I've been always very, very careful not to be a fraud. And so with the, you know, whilst I no longer pontificate very often, I still focus on my own professional integrity very, very seriously, because I don't want to be a fraud in my own eyes or in those of the teach in those of the kids. And to me, marking is a personal value. So I, I have it over everything. It, just to pick up there on, on um, alleged to be good teachers linking to marking. Now, there would be an argument to say that, and a strong argument, I, I would suggest to say that feedback, um, marking is one element of feedback that, that I suppose would be, would be part one. Okay, I think that's bullshit. I think it's utter bullshit. I think that I understand, yes, the verbal feedback is important, but how, and also I understand, of course, that you can do whole class feedback. Hmm. But if you're reading the books in order to do whole class feedback to find out what they can't do, then why not do it with a pen in your hand? So my, my perception is that an unmarked book very, very rapidly goes awry. And yeah, I do, because I, I work generally at a new school every year, though this year I'm in my second year, thank heavens. Um, I come in and see what happens when books are not marked. And yeah, it's quite often what I'll take over Will be pretty shocking uh, certainly the established working procedures of the young people that i work with and the view that they don't have to write on every page and they don't have to fill up every page that you know my, my view is it, it it leads to chaos in terms of what what appears to be chaos in the books and i keep things incredibly tight in the books because i use that as a correlative for behavior management as well Just can you expand on that a little bit in terms of the behavior you know well, quite simply, in inner city terms, uh, you don't get away with nothing in this geezer's class. Nothing. Yeah. So if you try and steal a line off him, he's on you. So con yeah, consequently, if, if the young people feel that there really isn't any point trying to uh, steal a little bit of space in terms of not adhering to the, the procedural rules of the school, then it's stamped on rapidly. 
Do you feel that, that what you've just said can be achieved without the teacher putting pen to paper though? So, so for example, in the classroom, if, if I'm stood in the classroom and, and I'm asking students to do a written task or to, or to start a written task and I circulate around the room um, while they're doing it and I kind of either give them feedback verbally while I'm walking around or tell them that you know, they need to up their game or they, they need to improve X, Y, Z to kind of stay on course with the rest of the class that's going to take me a minute whereas writing that comment on a book would take me say 10 minutes right well yeah i think it's valid um and i do that myself yeah i'll tour as tour after every single uh piece of written work that i set I just check in but you don't catch everything in the tour of the class and so consequently the mark in the books afterwards you will catch the things that you didn't catch whilst in the classroom do you when when you're doing the marking what what are, are you doing are you marking for literacy are you marking in terms of the content are you marking uh, um uh, everything and and i suppose you know if it's a standard exercise book because i know you mentioned you've got year 11 so say for example it's one of your year 11 groups or whatever um uh how, how much time is it taking you per book to to mark that and and therefore do you not think that's a detriment to other things like your planning or lesson planning or, or being able to to do that side of things but there's there's a, a difference according to experience i don't have to do an enormous amount of planning because i've been teaching for so long i've yeah i've taught that this or that poem seven or eight times i've already done the planning so it, it it doesn't act to the detriment of other things i can understand oops, that if you are a a younger teacher that it's it's an absurd expectation that you will even attempt to mark every single book though though i did um so how did how did you do that then back in the day how did you do that because i've tried to do that you know i'm in year 15 now there's been various points in my career particularly in my 20s i'm 36 now particularly in my 20s where i uh, whether in in line with policy or not i did try to mark everything you know, uh, in a in a written sense, to the to the to the level that either the policy dictated or that I thought was was a good idea to do, but it was unsustainable. So, I, so I'm asking you, how did you manage to do that? Because that, to me, sounds like something that lots of teachers would love to crack to be able to to do that. As I've said, the only reason I can do it now is because I've got a preferential timetable. But when I was a full time teacher, and again, I did have a preferential timetable because I was an AST. Um, it, it would like my word for it's no good, really. It's if you ask any colleague that I have ever had ever. And they said, what does he do when he's not teaching? They would reply, he is just always marking. In terms of the first question, what do I mark for? Everything. Uh, I correct, and my spelling sometimes isn't that great. I correct every spelling error that I notice. Um, I get kids at the beginning of each lesson as part of the routines to copy out each spelling error three times, unless the kid's got a pre pretty serious dyslexia, and then yeah, I'll limit that. Um, and there was another element of the question that I've forgotten now. Um, no, I can't remember. Don't, don't worry. Um, I mean, some of uh, we'll, we'll mention. I mean, some of the some of the other replies. Um, you know, 
to go through them. You can, I, I like the fact this is like the generation game, you know, when they had the conveyor belt on it with the little bunny rabbits and stuff. And, and basically this is like people's tweets that you can kind of discard or you can choose to respond to. So um, we'll see what your arguments are for each one. But the next one is uh, Ali Yousaf. Uh, student changing schools seems to be unhappy with previous school shocker. Question, as an experienced teacher, it is very unlikely that you always take things students say at face value. So do you think she is telling the truth for that or is it nuanced? What would be the reason for the child to lie? Really? <laughs> what would I mean, children do, that? children do, do. I, I, well, yeah, what, it was a off the cuff question that, that just said, yeah, how are things at your own school? Because she expressed surprise. And again, this is just my class. She doesn't get books marked every day, I imagine in every other class, right? She expressed surprise and was really quite excited. Um, she's, without revealing too much, she's a, very, very nice young lady. Um, I, I, I trust kids if they speak to me generally. You know, this wasn't a behavioural situation in which she would lie or have any reason to lie. Fair enough. Next one. Uh, Nikki Clayton says, we rarely mark books, but we do give constant feedback. It is successful because we have explicitly told students that this form is marking in capital letters. Well, that's what they do. Yeah, I... I but you're, but you're saying that isn't marking, that giving that, that verbal feedback or giving the feedback in different forms isn't marking. So you're, you're, you're disagreeing with that. As I said, that's what they do. If they find it works for them, then, then great. I would draw a distinction between verbal feedback and marking. Mark, marking is a much more onerous task to do. I'm lucky in that I enjoy it. Yeah, I, I find it a genuinely, yeah, that's utterly enjoyable thing to do. That's fair, but do you? I guess what I'm saying is, do you do you fundamentally believe that that written feedback is better for students' learning or its impact than uh, than verbal feedback? Gosh, no, no, not not at all. Yeah, verbal feedback can be immensely useful. What I tend to believe, though is the idea of we do verbal feedback will you explain that to the parents and see whether they buy it yeah the the degree of written feedback that i provide the degree of written marking that i do is so that i'm on top of what they need to know and i'm on top of what they need to know in a holistic manner in that not a word that they write hasn't been read and not a word that they write or a sentence construction that they failed at hasn't been corrected and whenever Say, for instance, I've written a subordinate clause as a whole sentence. I'll put it down as a target for the next lesson. Yeah, it, it, it's about, I, I tend to think that the, we provide verbal feedback thing is, um, is a way of managing workload, yeah. But to me, it's not the job. Yeah, to, to me, the job, if you're going to take it seriously, requires absolute rigor. And to me, marking as you cannot uh, fake it, you cannot fake it, shows the level of rigour that's being put into the kids' experience and the level of and the level of seriousness with which the teacher is taking their education. Um, just picking up on, on that bit that you said about the parents buying it mm -hmm. when it comes to the marking, which, which makes perfect sense to me because, you know, parents like to see things, right? However... The counter argument to this, and I understand that that is 
part and parcel of the education system that we are a part of is that parents are, if you like, the consumers of, of, of or certainly their, their students are going to a school and they are, if you like, um, invested in the school and so on, especially if it's a, a private school or whatever, but it, even in state schools, they're invested in that school. So, however, should it not be the teacher who is, if you like, the one with the professional uh, uh, autonomy to be able to, to stand there and say, as much as this written feedback looks good, it takes me 10 minutes longer than verbal feedback, and I could use that 10 minutes for something else. And equally, there isn't really any evidence to suggest that, that the written feedback is better than the verbal feedback. So therefore, this is why I'm doing it. And therefore, that's why I know you might not like it as much as a parent, but I have the best learning interests of your student at heart. And I, I think this is the best way. Now, there's a really interesting distinction between what parents have an entirely reasonable expectation of and what we're able to do. Um, and I hit an interesting anecdote, actually, is that I, I had a head teacher in the first year of my career that I shared a year seven English class with um, and the, the lesson they, the, they used to quite rebelliously really express displeasure at the lack of marking that he did. Um, name of that head teacher was Sir Mike Wilshaw. <laughs> now I, uh, yeah I, I, I am not in any way shape or form saying that every teacher should mark every book every day. It is not a possible thing for them. But what I will say is that parents do not regard that as an unreasonable expectation. And I think whilst you're right to identify that the teacher's professional knowledge will be certainly superior to most parents' professional knowledge of assessment, um, there is still for me an element that verbal feedback, and, and I can touch on the research, the verbal feedback informed by written feedback is is much more effective because it's much more holistic and it's much more detailed um and because i'm 56 57 dementia's kicking in and i lose my thread of argument um oh the, yeah the, there's no evidence uh, fuck off well there's 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 minimal there's there's, there's yeah well there's has anyone ever done a proper study of it well i know the the i think it's the eef did did a study i'd need to look at what the what the yeah, my, uh, I'd, I'd quote David Didow on this, the date died out on this. Uh, yeah, most educational research isn't worth a toss, really. And I think that this, <laughs> this is an area because, yeah, you'll get a, a study after it that completely contradicts it. No, uh, no I get that. But, but I mean, there, right, there is currently no solid evidence for, with a solid research base that marking, yeah, in the way that I do it, for instance has any substantial impact upon results. So I can only speak personally that it does. <laughs> I've been doing it for 25 years. I get, yeah, historically, and even now, yeah, massive improvements in English results. And I put that down to one, well, to three things. Exceptional subject knowledge. Two, you don't mess around in my class unless it's mess around time, but chiefly to the amount of time that I put into marking. Now, if anybody wants to come in and do some kind of blind study where, where you've got a control group on it against mine, then yeah, I'd be delighted for that, Dan, because I think the, 
whilst I understand the view of the profession on it, because it's really, really hard stuff to do, I think pointing in direction of research that hasn't been done is incorrect. Whilst I, whilst I get <laughs> your, your, your argument taken from Didal about, about research, I don't, I don't, the, the thing is though, if someone was to do that in your classroom, wouldn't that be a poor example of good research? Because it'd be one person in. No, with a control group. Okay, with a control, okay. <coughs> but, but equally, if you imagine, you know, I remember kind of going back now, five, six years ago, there was a teacher I worked with, he was an English teacher. Um, and he said to me, kind of confidentially, uh, if you like, on, on the slide, he said, <coughs> I haven't marked, I didn't mark anything for six months last year uh, with my GCSE groups. And they got be the best results that I've ever got with a group or that certainly a group I've taught has ever, ever got. So if what you're saying is true, how, how do you explain that? Because surely if marking, if written feedback was as effective as what you say it is, surely that couldn't, that would be impossible that that would be the case. Well, a lot might depend on cohort. You know, he might have just had a particularly bright group. He might have been teaching. Well, that was with all those GCSE groups. That was with... Um, look, I, I write well, um, and I write from a position of great experience in writing. I understand the technical elements of it. And I'm not sure how you can improve. So, for instance, a, a, a whole class is ability to write in a variety of different sentence forms without checking whether they can do it. But yes, you can teach them up the front and then they can do it. But, but if you haven't read the piece what of work, about what, what about, I mean, do you buy into the strategy of what about, say, I had a visual, visualizer as a teacher and I chose one or two pieces of work from the class and I, I on the visualizer, at the start of a lesson, let's say, let's say the previous lesson, they've done a piece of writing. Okay. And let's say the start of the next lesson, I took say one or two examples that I thought were good. And I put them on the visualizer and I talk through uh, with the students why I thought those versions were good. And then I followed that by writing a version live in front of them myself. And then I asked them to, um, to kind of uh, improve or, 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 or uh, make better what they'd written the previous lesson for, say, an assessed task. Or, or say I repeated that three or four times, and then the final time was their assessment that I would then mark and grade. But in that intervening period where, say, there was some peer assessment, teacher modelling, teacher instruction, teacher feedback, question and answer, loads of visual, load, loads of examples, would that would that not be better than 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 um the market than, than spending you know 10 hours 20 hours on over, over that over that four week period or whatever it might be doing putting pen to paper well i wouldn't choose to do it that way i can see that i can yeah, see that, that's fair but i'm yeah i i can see how that would be effective however what i would point out is that in order to have selected them you would have had to read them read them right now, if you're reading them, when, why don't you do so with a pen in your hand? It's, it's really simple. Yeah, if you're having to read all the books, then it, it doesn't take that much more time reading a piece than it does to mark, uh, much more time marking a piece than it does to read it, because you're marking as you're reading. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I think there's a, it, there is a very interesting generational 
element to it. And clearly teachers of my generation kind of moving towards considering retirement have a, have a different value system about this. Um, I find it absurd that a, a very, very experienced teacher is saying that he marks his book is in Marx's books and has that as a focus is in any way controversial. And um, I think perhaps marking is an area in which there is guilt because people always feel behind it. And, and if one hasn't marked one's books and you've got a parent's evening, then that's, that's difficult to defend. Um, but uh, the, the kind of outpouring of, well, it's not really rage, is a quizzical notes about uh, an experienced teacher valuing marking. I'm, I'm kind of nonplussed by really. I don't, I don't necessarily, I mean, for me, my problem isn't, isn't that you value written feedback or that you choose to, to do that. My, my issue personally, I don't know. I know other people would have an issue with that. I don't. My, and my, my other thing I don't have an issue with is the girl saying to you that she, she thought that showed care. I can, I can see that she might say that, right? I can, I, I get that. But on the flip side, I am saying that you could show care in a variety of ways. But yeah, my, can I stop? Can I stop you there? I, I didn't, suggest in any way that that is the only way of showing care. no no but i'm saying no absolutely but but you're you you did you did mention earlier that um you you said that people allege themselves to be good teachers uh who who don't mark now to be a good teacher i think you know no, that wasn't that wasn't what i said i said there are people who allege themselves to be good teachers who are fraudulent yeah i am very very serious about not being a fraud and so consequently, since it is the one thing that you cannot fake, yeah, that takes hours and hours of work, that is part of my own professional self-image as not being a fraud. I didn't say that people that don't do it are frauds. I said that there are people that are frauds. Okay, fair enough. Um, I mean, my, my issue, just to come on to what my issue is with it. Sure, yeah. My, my issue with it is that, and, and, and I think a lot of the comments reflect this, is you yourself know you have that preferential timetable. You have a timetable that is that is you know that is more viable with the approach that you're taking. I I still I still I know I know you get up at four a.m. I couldn't do that, so therefore it, it wouldn't be viable for me because I'm I'm soft as houses and there's no way I could get up at four a.m. Um, but even if I could, I probably would still struggle. So my question is, is, is does your tweet and do comments like that, if you like, um, put pressure on people or promote or endorse an unsustainable workload for the majority of teachers who are full-time classroom teachers in schools? Because someone might read that, a leader might read, read that and say, oh, do you know what, he's right. And they'll be, they'll be saying that from a perspective where they say got a 50% timetable. And then they might go in tomorrow and say, oh, did you see that tweet from well-respected 25 year experienced teacher, Phil Beadle, who said that, you know, we should be, we should be um, putting pen to paper more because it, because of all these different, different elements. And it, it makes you a good teacher if you put pen to paper. Do you not think there's a danger that those leaders will then, will then endorse uh, a, a much higher workload for the teachers? Right, the idea that I have any influence anymore is absolutely laughable. That's not true, because that is not that is not true. I think I, that's not true. I, I think that's the thing with social media. I think social media allows 
classroom teachers and you are a classroom teacher currently and and that's why you know i've invited you on teachers talk radio because if you do and i'm right have some influence i'm not saying like you've got as much influence as the next person but i am saying that when you when when teachers teachers will read that so and leaders will read it so but okay well two two elements of that yeah i don't i don't think that i have any influence really um certainly amongst any younger generation of teachers there are people of my own age that are aware that i've done some pretty good work over the years um the intention was not in any way to put pressure on other teachers i've been there i know what it's like um it was merely just something that i'd noticed recently in my school that it does seem that the students seem to take a regularly marked book as an expression of care i'm not saying that there are there aren't other ways of expressing care because that would be patently ludicrous if people have taken it that it's it, and i don't think it is at all likely that any any head teacher or deputy head teacher uh, since i'm perceived to be a figure of the past is going to come in and say we've got to change our marking policy because this part-time english teacher marks every book uh, like that's simply not going to happen um i can just about understand why um a specific subculture of people might uh, might have taken it to be offensive is not the right word but but some kind of um deliberately provocative statement it wasn't intended to be that deliberately provocative maybe a little bit i disagree with it but i didn't i didn't see it as i think anyone could say what they want i mean i wasn't offended by what you said i, I was just interested to know what what it was behind it and I, I i do i do you know i've outlined my position i i do disagree with with it but i i wasn't offended by it but what i would say though is that it's i think there's a radical difference between how people on twitter receive these uh, receive things and how the what happens in the majority of schools so i, I will go in tomorrow and, I, and I'll, I'll ask my colleagues who whom i love yeah um and i have a great deal of respect for whether what i do puts them under any undue pressure i think a perfectly reasonable thing to ask um i also there's some lady who i think was a little bit off on one talked about whether marking regularly uh hurts kids with anxiety so i'll ask the the few kids i have in my class who are identified say for having anxiety and see what they say yeah i i am open to be corrected but what i find often is that it is a specific strata of people on twitter who yeah i, I know you identify as a traditionalist um i don't feel actually I, I I Right. Well, well, no, that's your that's your perception. Oh, so well, I, uh, I would case? say that I would say that, but, but on, in in the sense of behaviour, I'm, I'm yes, I would be more traditional in my in my thinking. But pedagogically, I would say yeah, I I'm, I'm slanted towards being more traditional in my practice, but I'm also very flexible and pragmatic. Right. Um, in which case, I apologise. I just thought that was. Yeah, something. no, that's fine. I, I, it's not again. It's not a problem. It doesn't offend me. But I just <laughs> had to correct that because I, I, even though yes, I would say that I, I lean in in a certain direction. I, you know, I <laughs> ask Kate Jones. We had a big argument about it actually on our last uh, Teachers Talk radio show, talking about engagement in lessons and and activities and, and okay, I get bogged just, down in that. Just finished. Uh, it's 
it, it's a substrata, I'm sorry for misidentifying you, of, of Twitter teachers who would identify themselves probably as being more on the traditional side than the progressive side. Yeah. Should, should the progressive side kind of exist anymore. Um, and I have noticed the history because you know, I, I'm from the dim and distant past and um, associated with probably as a, the kind of most high profile figure from the terrible bad old days in the, what do you call them, the zeros? Or the noughties, uh, the yeah. noughties and noughties. very early part of this decade. Um, and I do notice that uh, people who align themselves with traditionalism rather enjoy uh, knocking kind of chucking coconuts at a totem pole from the past uh, why they do so i i can't imagine yeah in, in that I, I tend to find if, if people will engage with me and ask questions and we can have an, an, a nice debate like we're having without it being remotely offensive but if people want to that's fine so mike fain for, for instance asked a couple of questions and said things today i disagree with them but they were expressed in a respectful manner. So I, I, I reply. Yes. It's the kind of dogmatic knee jerk of you said this. Well, actually, I didn't read the tweet again. The, the tweet was just designed to say, look, isn't it interesting that kids seem to associate marking with care? I wasn't expecting to be doing an interview about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, the, the reason I did it is I, I think it does, like I said, I think it's an issue that affects well, a huge number of teachers in terms of marking. I think it's something, and, and it was an interesting viewpoint, not one that I've seen, you know, shared many times before on, on social media. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's why I, I think it's, it's been really interesting speaking to you about it and hearing what your what your kind of justifications are and, and what your thoughts and feelings are on it. And it'd be interesting to hear after this, if anyone wants to, you know, tweet their comments in or whatever to Teachers Talk Radio, then we'll, we'll see what people think, because I'm sure... There will be there will be some who will agree. In fact, there was somebody who agreed on the thread that I was talking to you on on Twitter. There was someone who agreed with you. There will be those who agree. There will be many who don't agree. But it but it it's interesting to hear, isn't it? It's interesting and and it's something to reflect on. <laughs> okay, Tom. I think we've we've well and truly dug that one over. <laughs> Phil, thanks very much for joining me. Right, that was my interview with Phil beadle uh and what an interview it was um thank you very much for listening i'd love to know people's thoughts <laughs> on uh, the... <laughs> somebody's te texting saying i see the outrage machine is in full flow well possibly i mean i'm not outraged uh certainly i think that uh others are um i i don't agree with his tweet and i think it's a very very interesting discussion uh around that um but equally i think it's a discussion that that is worth having i know a few people have said you know is, is this even a debate that's worth having i think it is i think it is a debate worth having because i think that teachers are affected by this um in a, in a very bad way in many schools you know the marking policies the the things that go on um charlotte has texted in maybe it is a bit inflammatory and he's also incredibly clever with his language, is what Charlotte says. So, uh, yeah, I've had some very interesting tweets, actually, um, during the interview. Um, some interesting comments, some interesting messages in. Keep them coming. If you have a view, 
on written comments. I know that Kate has texted in with a research report from the EEF about marketing feedback to basically say there is limited evidence for that. That's what the report says. I actually pitched that to uh, Mr. Beadle in the interview. Um, and he kind of, well, his response was, that's BS, I think, was the response that he gave to that. I think I think what he was saying was there's not a lot of research either way, and the research is limited in itself on marking and assessment. I think that was the, the main vibe of it. Um, so I think it's... The thing, the thing that, that worries me in all of this is there are teachers out there who are bogged down in hugely excessive marking policies that they are having to oversee and undertake, um, where they're spending hours and hours and hours every single week uh, uh, marking things because the policy tells them to, but also because they think they'll they'll get caught out if they don't. Um, and I and I, I just feel in that regard that it's we we do have this thing where we we do need to stand up against that kind of system where teachers are sat at their desk for hours after they've been teaching putting pen to paper when when actually you know that's where I disagree with Phil personally I disagree with him in saying that you know I think that other feedback can be just as valuable I think other feedback can work just as well. Um, I know Adam's just joined. I don't know if that is Adam Boxer. It could be. Adam, if that's you, call in. Call in, share your thoughts on it all. Um, but from my perspective, I, you know, and I said that in the interview, is that I, I think that, uh, that, that verbal feedback can be just as effective, if not more effective, than written feedback. That was, that was my view. It's not obviously shared. Um, by by others but that's that's my point of view on it and i think that there is this presentism isn't there i i think there is an element of presentism or presenteeism whatever you want to call it. i don't know even what the word is but you know what i mean about it there is this kind of idea of right you know we we need to look a certain way and 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 present books in a certain way and everything has to look nice and th i think there's an element of that there i think what I think what I do now is very different from how I thought about things when I was 22, when I was just starting out. You know, it's like now it's all about I'm trying to focus as much as I can on the learning. I'm trying to think to myself, right, is this actually going to help this student achieve more? I'm trying to put out of the window as much as I can what a parent is thinking or what, you know, what, what, uh, what government are thinking, what Ofsted is thinking, I'm thinking, right, I know these kids, I know what I'm trying to teach, what is it that's actually working and what is it that is not working? That's what I'm trying to keep in my head whenever I do stuff now, whereas when I was 22, 23, I'm not entirely sure that was the case. I, I think maybe there was uh, an element of presentism there was an element of trying to keep up with the joneses trying to keep up with the marking policy trying to make sure everything looked okay making sure that the students had responded to feedback making sure that they'd use different color pens all these different you know what you probably call non-negotiables um pbg has texted in written feedback is what's always been done during old school monitoring the problem was school marking policies badly written but you get my drift um 
yeah, I mean, other people tell me what you think. Uh, I mean, is, is it to do with marking policies or is it to do with um, kind of the, the, the written marking itself being the problem? I mean, what do we think? Um, I mean, for me, there was a huge waiting. This is my opinion, by the way. There's a huge, huge waiting on written feedback as opposed to other forms of feedback. Huge waiting. I mean, you know, I think back to when I qualified, I don't even think verbal feedback, I mean, I don't even think verbal feedback was really mentioned as a concept. I think it was all about marking. Marking was the word that was used all the time. And it was very much like, you know, how often are you marking the book? And that is a sim that is symbolic of how much feedback the student is getting and how well they're doing in lessons and so on and so forth. So that's that was my experience of it. Um, but I don't know what 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 other pe other people's experiences are of of marking in that sense. Um, I don't know. I think everybody's got different experiences, um, and I know that everyone is going to have different experiences to me. Um, so I, I'm well aware of that. I know that. And, you know, um, not everybody is going to see things the same way that I see them, I, I think. So, I mean, I don't know what you think, but tell me what you think. You know, if you have a different view on that, then call in, tell me, text in, tell me. I think that written feedback got a huge amount of waiting compared to other forms of feedback when I started teaching. I feel that if you weren't putting pen to paper in books, it was frowned upon if you weren't doing your written comments and your, your, you know, the students weren't responding to feedback and it wasn't visible in the work, then that was frowned upon. That was frowned upon by leaders. That was frowned upon by parents. That was frowned upon by Ofsted. That was frowned upon by Estin. That was frowned upon by everybody. There was a, there was a real waiting towards written feedback and everything else was out the window. Now that has changed. That has been an evolution. There has been in the last 10 years, five to 10 years, an evolution towards other forms of feedback being just as valid. I think you are now getting into a phase where you can see very clearly that verbal feedback, I mean, if you remember back in, I mean, the first time I saw this was in maybe 2013-ish, 2012, 2013, the verbal feedback stamp. Now, when I think about the verbal feedback stamp, I think about the fact that um, it was completely bonkers, but at least people were recognizing that verbal feedback was a part of the toolkit. At least it was actually becoming part of the vernacular rather than just marking his written feedback. At least there was some recognition that actually verbal feedback could be effective. They got it completely wrong. It was all to do with the monitoring of it and, and everyone got really excited. And, you know, uh, part of that was to do with the way in which Ofsted were assessing at that time, of course. It wasn't just the teachers who were coming up with verbal feedback stamps. It wasn't just that. They were coming up with it for a reason. And that was because it was being, things were being checked in that way at that time. But nevertheless, at least it was being recognized. And, and I think that as time's gone on, we've had even more evolution where we've actually had uh, um, verbal feedback stamps have gone out of the window and now we're at a place where people are saying, you know what, we don't need to do silly verbal feedback stamps to check this is happening. We do recognise that verbal feedback is something that actually works and is effective. And I, w I wish somebody had, I wish someone in my teacher training year had come up to me and said, you know what, Tom, 
it's cool to do verbal feedback. You know, like you don't have to do feedback includes verbal feedback. No one ever said that to me. Like, I don't know what your experiences are out there, but it was just so much like, right, you need to mark three times a week and that is what is valid and everything else isn't valid. Or at the very least, we're not going to discuss other forms of feedback, like whole class feedback. Um, Miss, Mrs. Saucia has texted in, I think we spoke about written feedback twice in my three-year training. Everything was verbal, peer marking, feedback and self-assessment, feedback again, success criteria. Depends when you train, Miss, Mrs. Saucia. I don't know when you trained. Um, but that was definitely not my experience. There wasn't as much emphasis on multiple, particularly verbal feedback when I was training. Um, maybe people have different experiences. I mean, that that was my experience. Um, I'll tell you what we'll do. We're, we're going to go to the news now. But when we come back, I'd love to get into this a little bit more in terms of what your experience is from when you started training when you have gone through CPD courses have been in terms of what you've been told to do with regards to feedback. Has it changed over time? Has it always been the same? What have what have you been doing um, over time when it comes to marketing and feedback? You know, like has it has it changed over time, or has it been, you know, exactly the same? You know, what has your what has your uh, situation been? Uh, how has that gone for you? So I'd, I'd love to hear that. We're going to go to the news now, uh, and we will be back on TTR in a very very short period of time. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cats. To find out more, Follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondlelettersandsounds.org.uk Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, 
you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Wales, a cross-party Senate committee report has said 38% of councils do not have enough childcare for disabled children anywhere in their area. The government in Wales has said that work is underway to expand funding. Mags, a mother of a seven-year-old with autism, told BBC Politics Wales that multiple settings have told her that they could not provide the care he needed and she struggled to find funding. She said, I've got comments of this is not the right setting for him or this is not the right setup for your child. It is a constant struggle to feel like you are doing the best for your child. The Welsh Government said, We provide more than 1.5 million a year in support of children with additional needs within the childcare offer and grants of up to 10,000 are available to make settings accessible. This year, we have also allocated five million for local authorities to create accessible play opportunities. In Scotland, the Education Secretary, Shirley Ann Somerville, has been asked to explain how exams can be held fairly following the news that one in eight pupils were absent from school last week. There were 32,000 pupils absent from school for COVID-related reasons in Scotland on Wednesday. Nearly 2,500 teachers were also absent from work. Ms Somerville has said that she will provide extra support for pupils who have missed school, but exams will go ahead. National fives and hires in the spring will only be cancelled if COVID makes it impossible for pupils to gather in exam rooms. Larry Flanagan of the EIS Teachers Union said it was essential that students were treated fairly and not disadvantaged by COVID isolation. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, as we approach Safe Internet Day next week, it's the 8th of February, if you didn't know, I'm going to take a look at keeping yourself safe as a teacher. I'm not going to go into your digital footprint or how you use social media. That's been covered in your safeguarding training, no doubt, and should be common sense. There is, however, a real grey area when it comes to teachers and using their phones in school. Before I start, all schools should have a policy on mobile phones, and you should have read it. I suggest, if you're not sure what it is, then you find out. There is DFE guidance for searching, screening and confiscating for pupils, for staff 
Policies in schools range from SLT having different rules to other staff so they can be contacted to phones must be switched off or on silence when pupils are present. Some are even introducing a smartwatch policy as they become increasingly more popular. The first step to keeping yourself safe is to make sure you know what is expected in your school as it's the individual schools that decide and there is no official guidance. The next step is a choice. Images, still or moving, are a great way to evidence work and to feedback to pupils. If your policy allows it, using your phone is the simplest way as it's always with you. To give a real example, a PE teacher at a match doesn't need to remember to take the school camera and probably has a better camera on their phone anyway. But here's the dilemma. Should teachers have pictures of children on their personal phones? Again, school policy will dictate this and parents will assign a form saying they give permission or not so you're covered to take the picture. But the question still stands, should it be done on a personal device? This is where I feel the need to keep ourselves safe lies. How long do you keep the images on your phone? Are they automatically backed up into your personal cloud? How do you transfer from your device to the school storage? What if your phone's lost or stolen? I'm not here to provide an answer. I just want you to think about keeping yourself safe. If you take images on a school device, you avoid all of these issues. It may be a little more effort, but in the rare event of an allegation, it's a lot simpler to investigate. Please think about your use of personal devices in school. And if your policy isn't keeping up with what you're doing, consider raising it. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2020 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. That was Steve Woods, and thank you, Steve. Absolute legend with his Two Minute Tech updates. Um, I'm now hopefully joined by Adam Boxer live. Adam, good evening. Yeah, boy. <laughs> How are you? Are you having a good day? Yeah. I, I- I have a feeling that you were actually on something at some other podcast about 10 minutes ago or something. Someone told me. Uh, I did the Greenshaw Book Club. Great fun. Total nerd out. Oh, hang on. Am I muted? No, I'm not muted. Sorry, my TV. No, no, you're all laptop. Got, you... Sorry, but my laptop is yeah, muted. Yeah, it's That's all complicated. We... My days. Don't worry about it. We've currently got uh, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Podbean. We've got everything going on right now, and we've got a lot of people listening and watching. So, uh, so listen, right? Let's let's get into this, right? Tell me your kind of side of this because there's a tweet out. It's about marking, okay? Mm. Uh, do you, do you, should should we read the tweet again for everybody? Uh, uh, Tom, so we... you, it's your show. You call the shots. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think I think it would be appropriate to to read it, so then you can kind of comment on it uh let me just let me just find it hang on a minute hang on everybody who's is listening because we need to we need to find it right uh my school inherited a student six weeks ago from a school that's pretty big on warm strict and knowledge rich she was surprised and delighted to have her bookmarked every day i asked her i asked what her old school was like they don't care said she now you tweeted a response to that which Well, I'll let you tell me what your response to that is verbally rather than just another tweet. You tell me now what your response to that is. Yeah, all right. Um, I first started kicking up a fuss about marking in 2017-ish at my school that I was at then, not there now anymore, um, because we were being asked to do all sorts of zany marking stuff in the complete absence of any kind of systematic evidence uh and it was spending it was taking a lot of time uh it is utterly soul destroying um and i was not enjoying it at all and i said i didn't want to do any more and we started kick up fast blah 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 um one of the and by the way back then 
Yeah, marking was the norm, right? Extensive comment-based marking was everywhere. It was the norm. Uh, the whole class feedback stuff that started um, was really just shortly before then. Um, I'm talking like a matter of months. Oh, Adam, by the way, can I just ask oh, yeah. you, you're actually you're actually muted on your laptop. So can you unmute yourself on the video? Because yeah. on StreamYard, you're currently muted. So no one on the on the screen can actually see what okay, you're saying. Okay. We can so hear you it want me. You want me unmuted on <laughs> StreamYard and Correct. muted on the phone? No. I want you no. unmuted on both, but I want Mate, your volume just... down to zero on your... That's it. That's it. That's all it. right, all right, we're here, we're here, we're here. Okay, all right. That's it, that's okay. it. So, we're anyway, good, we're good. Go, go again, but Loads start again so we can hear that. And, and Kate has texted in saying, Tom, you don't make this easy. You're always <sighs> saying that. Hell, I'm trying my bloody best. Jesus, right, you just people. had a two-minute tech talk and everything. Okay, look, so back then there was loads of marking. Everyone was marking, tons of marking. And the principal justifications in favor of marking were things like it's giving good feedback and, you know, I've uh, got to get to know the kids' work, blah, blah, blah. And one of the things that I was always told was that marking books shows that you care about the student. Um, it shows that you care about the student. And again, by the way, I didn't make this up, yeah? <laughs> like someone made it up and said it to me, right? The, it says that marking books shows you care about the students i said fine so when uh, mr beadle posted about how much he cares students because he marks their books blah blah blah, and the other school clearly doesn't care um i mean that's that's the heavy implication i don't see how you can read it any other way um so i said that my my prince you know, my principal objection to the narrative of care is that you can show your students you care in any number of ways um, and saying that the only way to do this is through marking students' books is, I think I said, a bit sad. And I think it is a bit sad, to be honest. Um, yeah. He, his, his response, I don't know if you heard the full interview, but his, his, response, <laughs> his, his response to that was that um, he wasn't saying that that was the only way. He was saying, sure. that, he was saying that was one of the ways that you could show care, but he was arguing that, he um, thought it was a, a, a very good way of, of showing care. I mean, do you think that it is a good way of showing care in your experience? Do is, is it a valid argument to say that one of the good points or reasons for marking books with a pen doing written feedback is because the students like it and, and, and that therefore is, is, is a good reason to do it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think. Look, you can ask a kid whatever you like. You know, if I said to, if I said to, like, if I took in a kid, but if I took in, if I took, took spoke to a student, and I said, um, you know, that I don't mark your books. Do you think that I care about your books? They'd probably say, oh no, probably not. If I said to a student, oh, uh, I noticed while I was looking over your shoulder during your work that your book is very untidy. Do you think I care about your book? They'd say yes. If I said to a student who had just moved to our school from another local school where they'd had a managed move or a rough time or like, I think, I think, I think Mr. Beadle was talking about students he teaches in year 11. Yeah. No one swaps school at this point in year 11 if they're happy. It doesn't happen. Right. So this kid has rocked up in his school um, and he said, you know, what do you think about the teachers back in your other school? They said, oh, they don't care. I said, OK. I mean, like, what does that prove about anything? Like, vet, you know, very, very little. Um, at best, it's an anecdote, but I don't even think I don't even think it's a useful anecdote because yeah, the kid had a rough time. Like they moved out of the school. It happened. I teach at an amazing school, 
we still have some kids that aren't happy. They move to other schools. And we have kids that come from other schools that are amazing, come to us, and they're more happy with us than they were then. Like, to draw any kind of wider conclusion about that is, uh, is a little on the far-fetched side. Um, and, yeah, I don't think I, – look, I imagine that there are teachers who spend hours over their students' books uh, making – like, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's really committed. I'm sure he does love his students, and I'm sure he's a great teacher. Um, and I'm sure he, he, they think that he really cares about them because of the effort that he puts in, including in terms of the marking and stuff like that. And I'm sure there are plenty of teachers who bust their gut and do loads of things uh, and they spend hours over the kids' books and give them the feedback and blah, blah, and the kids think they really care about them. I don't do any of that stuff. Yeah, I, I haven't marked a student book in about three years. Um, now, it could well be the case that if you asked one of my kids, you know, do you think Mr. Boxer cares about you? They'd say no. Um, but I... I like to think that that's not the case. Um, and I like to think that if that were the case, I'd have been told by now by my boss, who is uh, rather forthright. So I'm not really concerned that that's, that's uh, like a flaw in the relationships I build with the students. Do you think that, I mean, there's been a bit of conversation there about the research. So when I, when I put it to, um, to Phil about um, the research on, on marking, um, he was he was saying he was he quoted David Didow and saying that you know that um, most research in in his words is BS and and actually that um, it's it's not really valid and also he was saying that there hasn't been much research on the effectiveness of marking so therefore it's almost like a fifty fifty argument it's like you saying all right marking's marking is not effective because that there isn't research, but marking is effective and there still isn't research, if that makes sense. So he's saying that there, there hasn't been, now I know the EEF did a report on it, and sure. I know they said there was there was minimal uh, minimal evidence within that EEF report, but do you think there's any credence in his in his arguments there about about the fact that they haven't done a proper study, I think was his, hmm. you know, he'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but I think that was his argument. Look, I mean, in terms of the research, he's not far off. The EF, they stop, I think they stopped short of telling people that this is not a good use of time, you shouldn't bother doing it. But they did, they certainly found that there were no robust studies suggesting there's evidence here. Um, now, the problem is there's also, there's tons of stuff for which there's no robust evidence. Uh, that doesn't mean those things are a good idea. Uh, and here we use something called a... <laughs> Um, Sorry, I've got you back. Yeah, I've thanks, got you back. Um, that was for, for audio listeners. Adam just got a call, but he's back. Yeah, now. it's okay. I don't know who it was, so so they get blanked. Don't they know? I'm on the phone with Tom Rogers, the guy who's the <laughs> date thing. Anyway, um, so we're going to get a bit philosophical. So there's a thing in philosophy called a razor, um, and a razor is not a thing for shaving, but well, not for shaving hair, but it's for shaving options. And it's for taking away um, options. When you don't know what the correct answer is, you use a razor to remove options. So the most famous razor is called Occam's razor. Uh, and Occam's razor is the simplest explanation is the one that's most likely to be true, or is the one that you should go with. So if you have two explanations uh, for a particular event, one is complex and one is simple, you run with the simple one if you don't know. Uh, there's another razor, which is called Hitchens razor, which is named for the late, great Christopher Hitchens, who said that which is proposed without evidence can be dismissed without evidence. So the point is that I don't need to even consider the fact that marking is a good thing until there's evidence. So saying to me, well, you know, there is no evidence, blah, 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 blah is, is all fine and dandy, but I don't need to consider it until you provide me 
with some kind of evidence. The second someone comes up with a randomized control trial that says, right, we're going to take two teachers uh, with 100 kids each. Uh, they're going to dedicate exactly five hours to each class. One of them is going to do it in comment-based marking. The other is going to spend it working on their explanations or their drill practice sets or retrieval practice, or is going to give verbal feedback, or is going to mark their carousel homework. Plug number one, carousel learning, the greatest online tool since sliced bread. Um, but anyway, so, so as soon as someone does a randomized control trial on that, then I'm going to be like, okay, and, and I get results that say the, the comment-based marking wins, then that's what we'll go with. But until that point, I don't even need to consider it. That was Got a bit you. fast. Did I talk too fast? D too fast for me, which is what most people <laughs> thought. But I, 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 picked up the main, I picked up the main gist of it. Yeah, just about. Um, I suppose what, what I was going to ask you is then, because there are still, uh, even, if, even if there is a teacher, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, let's say there's a teacher out there, like as Phil says, he said he he loves, he likes marking, he enjoys sure. marking. Okay. Yeah. Now, what would you say to a teacher who was spending a lot of time marking? Mm -hmm. Okay. But also said I enjoyed it. Yeah. Would Would you say that's okay, or would mm -hmm. you say, you know what, based on my experience, maybe you're going to burn out or maybe, you know, you know, you're not going to yeah. have time to plan lessons or whatever. I mean, what would you, I mean, what basically what I'm saying is if you were to if you were to choose, if you had to choose, Adam, between written feedback and planning a lesson, which one would you choose or would it just be a 50 50 throw up? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, look, there's a, there's a spectrum here, and it depends uh, on the way that you lead and the culture that you have within your department. So I'm, I'm very blessed. I'm the head of a department. Uh, blessed and cursed at the same time that I'm the head of a department. Uh, and there's like, a, there's like a strong spectrum at play here. At one end of the spectrum is the traditional um, approach, which is taken in UK education circles, which is uh, live and let be. You know, there's no best way of a rule. Anyone can do what they like. Um, the, I trust the teacher to do what's right for their students, that kind of thing. That's at one end of the spectrum. But the other end of the spectrum is you turn around and say someone and say, look, I mean, if you... Uh, it's not about what you enjoy, right? You're on company time. You need to be doing stuff that is useful to the students. Um, uh, you know, I don't think that either of those polls are particularly helpful. Um, I prefer a kind of robust middle. Uh, and I would say to, I would say to a teacher, if if if, I, if one of the teachers in my department was taking home stacks of marking and spending hours doing it, I'd be saying to them very simply, look, we have an agreed departmental teaching and learning policy for science for the science department in this school there are a number of things on it there are a number of things that are not on it one of the things that is not on it is comment-based marking in books if you're satisfying the rest of the policy in all of its detail then I have absolutely no problem if you enjoy marking books on your weekends or in your evenings whatever it's your choice if you want to do that instead of watching netflix or logging into teachers talk radio be my guest how dare but, you how dare what I put you on the same level as Netflix. That's a good thing. Fair, fair. A bit sensitive yeah. tonight. You're not the one yeah. who's called a buffoon. Uh, <laughs> I was called a buffoon. No, we're going yeah, to come on to that, Adam. We just, don't oh, ruin Joy. it. You know, Joy. we're going to come on to that. Uh, yeah. But, 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 and and if that teacher said 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 yes, Adam, I can do that. I can satisfy every line of the teaching and learning policy, and I can get everything that you've asked of me that we need to do as part of the department. You know, contributing to resource curation and getting all my assessments done, all of that. And, and I want to take these books home and I want to mark them on the weekend, then I, I'm not going to stand in the way of your hobby, right? In the same way that if his hobby was going to watch, you know, go bird watching or metal detecting or whatever, I wouldn't have a problem with it, so long as the job was getting done. 
Now, the likelihood is that, I mean, that's never really happened to me before. Um, the, the likelihood is that if a teacher is doing that, they're spending work time doing that as well. Uh, and I would very politely ask them to make sure that they were doing all the other stuff first. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I suppose the point that, 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 that I was concerned about, one of my concerns was the idea of, of teachers getting, getting um, burnt out and also the idea of the timetable. I know, Phil, I don't know whether he's tweeted you. I think he's tweeted something, but it was no, something on the... Okay, well, it may not have been to you. It may have been a comment, but he—he, he, I don't know where this comment. Someone, someone's just messaged me. But he's asked, he's asked, have you got a full, do, what kind of timetable do you teach? I'm not sure why he was asking that, but that's what Who, he me? was asking. Yeah. Uh, I. What do you mean? I teach a standard head of department timetable. Yeah, that's. No, I, sorry, I don't. Know. Hang on, hang on. I'm. I. I mean, I have fairly unique circumstances. I'm a full-time head of department, uh, but I'm in school four days a week. Uh, I do one day a week I work on carousel learning, which is lovely and enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, the other four days a week I'm on a standard head of department timetable. I directly line manage uh, the biggest department in the school. Uh, I di directly line manage the department in the school that has the biggest budget. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, what is this? Is he like trying to like get me to drop my trousers and cock measure how many hours I work? Like, what is that? <laughs> I don't, someone's just texted in and, and said, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But the, okay. the, the point is, the point is this. I think that um, there was... <laughs> Someone in the comments has just asked me to not. That's fine. I'll get blanked out automatically on the video. <laughs> I mean, this is everywhere. So there's no way of blanking anything out. Um, I'll read some of the comments, actually. Mike Hill has texted in. And by the way, people who are watching this won't be able to see this, but this is on Podbean on, on, the, on the app. Mike Hill, even if marking has a positive effect, this still wouldn't change the fact that the time needed to mark books stacks catastrophically. Even if a teacher spends just six minutes per book, that's three hours for a class of 30. If a teacher has nine different classes, that's 27 hours to get through all of the books once. Um, okay, more. We've got, uh, who else has said things here? We've got- uh, Sorry, did you want me to comment on that? Sorry, you, yeah. you left- Yeah, 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 I course. did, oh. I did. Yeah. I did go. All right. Well, well, first thing is, I mean, Mike generally is a legend. Um, and yeah, he's dead right. Like <laughs> time investment is farcical. Uh, and, and, and also, by the way, in his calculations, um, he said that it, a teacher spends just six minutes per book. Um, I would think most teachers can spend a bit. Well, actually, he's a history teacher. So maybe it does take six. I don't know, Tom, you tell me. But six minutes a book. The problem is the first book takes six minutes. The last book, it's like it's like wading through treacle. It's death. You're like, oh, I, I just can't do this. And you're staring at the page and you're losing focus. Um, so I think there's like an, I mean, everybody knows about exponentials now because of COVID. Yay. But um, it's like exponential in terms of the amount of time it takes. Yeah. Um, another comment that, 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 that Phil made in the interview was about um, the, so he was talking about the fact that he would see himself as a fraud if he didn't mark he, if, if he didn't if he if he didn't do that it was almost like he was saying that 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 is an integral part of the job for him and, and in general so therefore he would see himself as a fraud if he kind of stood there and said oh I'm a great teacher but I'm not and he was pointing to Twitter and saying that that, that he feels there's a lot of, of fraudery on Twitter in terms of people who aren't a lot of corruption if you like in the presentism of people as good teachers and therefore they're not doing the job because they're not marking or they're you know they're not they're not assessing pupils work 
Uh, he was also talking about, you know, I guess the parents as well, talking about the, the impact of marking with parents and how uh, he was arguing that, that that was something that that was a positive thing for parents to see that books have been marked and so on. I mean, what would you yeah, say to those things? Look, again, I mean, if it feels fan... Look, I personally do not feel like a fraud. Yeah, I get in, I do my hours, I work hard, I do everything that I can for my students, I don't mark their books. I mean, I don't really feel like a fraud. Uh, I also like, make no pretense uh, claiming that I'm uh, a particularly brilliant teacher. I, you know, I don't know if he was referring to me in his comments, but he didn't specifically mention you. Know, he was yeah, talking well, in general. But but look, I'm mean, calling you a buffoon, but the rest of it. Yeah, now. well, yeah, that that was very specific. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so look, I mean, he can feel however he likes, and 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 that's fine. All I can say is that if he works for me in my department uh, and he was doing that much marking, we'd be having a strong conversation. I mean, I might ask you, what what do you actually do then? I mean, with, you know, in terms of you said you don't mark. I mean, what do you Minecraft. do? Minecraft. Minecraft. Hours of Minecraft. <laughs> but apart from that, I mean, in terms, oh, right, of, okay. in, terms of, in terms of your marking and feedback approach, what do you actually do? I mean, what do you do? Yeah. What do people in your department do? What do you tell them to do? Okay, so, I mean, we're giving feedback the whole time. So if you took a typical lesson, every lesson starts with a do now, which is five to eight questions. Every question receives, you know, students receive feedback. We circulate extensively, so every student will receive immediate, directed, uh, corrective feedback on their work, and that's just in the first five minutes. Um, students do one at least one carousel quiz a week. Uh, that quiz will be 15 to 20 questions that we do. We, I mean, I say we mark, but it takes about... I mean, if a, a class a class of 30 who have done a 15 question quiz, it takes about five minutes to mark uh, mm. because they do the bulk. They do the bulk of it themselves. They self-assess and all you're doing is moderating. Um, you then select particular questions for whole class feedback. Um, so if there's a particularly interesting response, something that's really good, something that's really bad, something that shows a misconception, uh, that, get, that, they get, that then feeds into the next lesson's whole class feedback, which again is done automatically by the platform. The teacher just uh, is the one who then picks it up and runs with it in the classroom so they receive feedback on there they receive feedback you do an explanation and then every explanation is followed by check for understanding so they receive feedback in the check for understanding they then begin to independently practice and they receive feedback as they begin to independently practice because we're doing circulating around the room uh, we don't really do plenaries because uh, those those have died fortunately but i mean I, you can probably work out by now that there's feedback laced through the entire lesson once a fortnight students do a pen and paper little quiz it's called a find out fortnight which has 10 straightforward knowledge recall questions it has then three marks which is a bit more application it might be an equation it might be a graph interpretation something along those lines the bulk of that is peer assessed and then we take them in check the marking a uh, couple of ticks couple of crosses here and there when necessary and then again there's feedback in to the next lesson so we look at a lot of their work we give them a lot of feedback but and and, and yeah and, and don't get me wrong we work hard like this stuff isn't easy um it's just not the same as comment based marking um so yeah that's that's kind of in a nutshell what we do and we have two big assessment points a year and then what would you what would you say what, what would you say to those maybe parents or teachers or whoever who would say well that's lazy that's that's typical lazy teachers who just don't want to do what has always been a fundamental part of their job um i mean do, do these people exist you know i've been doing this for i've not marked a student book in five years that includes a very affluent middle class leafy suburbish school 
Uh, and at that school, one student, you know, I taught hundreds of students there. One student asked me if I could mark her book. Um, and I said, sure, I can do that for you if you want. And I marked it for her. Um, and it took me a couple of minutes and I gave it back to her and it told her nothing, but she wanted me to do it. So I did it, you know, what difference does it make to my life? Um, but in all that time, and I have, believe me, I have received some very punchy emails from parents, sometimes legitimate, sometimes not legitimate. You know, <laughs> there's no head of department in the world, uh, who has not received punchy emails from parents. There's not an head, there's not a head of department in the world who's not deserved some of those punchy emails, um, that they've received from parents. Not one of them has asked me about, um, marking yeah um I, I mean it's it's interesting though isn't it is that if, if you did survey parents would, would they i do wonder what they would say is good teaching i mean do you think that if you if we survey parents right now i'm sure ofsted already had but if we surveyed them and said what is good teaching what what would they actually say do you think they didn't what would they include but, in that but, like, but look, fundamentally who cares yeah like I, I, I very much want parents to be on site. Buy-in is so important from parents, but only because it helps me achieve outcomes with their child. Fundamentally, I do not live to serve the parents. I live to serve their child. Uh, that's why. But this is something that it's a brilliant point that I read about eight years ago in a, you know, Ed Dorrell. Uh, who used to be I one do. of the um, he used to be one of the editors at Tess, and I used to read. I, the Tess I, know, him, I know him well. Yeah, absolute absolute legend, and he wrote this beautiful. Yeah. He used to write the the lead. What was it? Was it called the the editorial? The editorial. editorial. Yeah, he used yeah, to, yeah, he used yeah. to write the editorial. Him and Anne Moroz, they used to alternate. Yeah. And um, and Ed once wrote about the the fundamental difference between the public and the private sector is that in the private sector, the person you're serving is the customer, and the customer is right. Whereas in the public sector, um, you are serving something else entirely. So I am, I, my job is I am the servant to these children's future, right? I, I live to secure for them the best future that I can. I do not live to serve their parents. It's not my job to satisfy their parents. It's my job to look after the children. If if I can do that with the parent, then so much the better. And I try very, very hard indeed to do that. I phone, you know, 15 parents a week, right? I, you know, I, I do a lot of work trying to get parents on board. But fundamentally, if a parent, say, opposes a detention, okay, if I, if I can't win them over, it's tough. The kid's still getting a detention. If the parent asks me to mark a book, I say, look, I'm really sorry. You know, I'll happily mark your kid's book as a one-off, but I'm not putting it into the policy. It's, it's not an option because I know better than they do. And, and I live to serve their child's outcome. And if the child says they want X, but I think that it's better for them to have Y, they're getting Y. If the parent says, I want my child to have X, and I think it's better for them to have Y, they're getting Y. And, and I do, I believe me, I promise you, I want to take the parents with me on that. But if I can't, then I won't. I mean, just to finish off, Adam, because we're running out of time now. But the the last thing I was going to I was gonna say to you, your, your original reply to the tweet was, the idea that the only way to show a kid you care about them is by marking their book every day is pretty sad, to be honest. And I know that Phil had said that that was a, an infantile response, and that and that and that you were a buffoon, and then, and then um, called me names, <laughs> and then said you're a buffoon. I wondered what what your response to that was, and whether you what response what, to him calling me a buffoon. Well, he said that's a straw man argument. What you said, and yeah, that, maybe and, it is. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I thought I was reading his tweet fairly, um, but. Maybe it is a straw man. Who knows? It's Twitter. You write something in a sentence when you're on your way downstairs to go to the toilet. Like, who cares? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's really a case of just get over it. 
Adam, thank you very much for joining us and uh, you take care and thanks for dropping no worries, in. Mate. Always thanks a pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. It's all right. That was Adam Boxer. There he is. And uh, you are still with us on Teachers Talk Radio. Wow, what a show. My God. Uh, it's been it's been interesting, you know, to hear from from Phil Beadle and then Adam Boxer. I feel like I'm like uh, kind of like in the middle of a sandwich, you know, uh, a marking sandwich uh, with with one side kind of like coleslaw and the other side like corned beef or something. Um, got a lot of likes on the front on the show. Thank you, Miss P Teachers, for your like on the show. Thanks, Mrs. Sauce. You're always listening. No, I'm. Cheers, fella. Noam is texting saying the result of this process, teaching marking must be under attention. Let them say he is lazy. Uh, and we've got Daniel listening. Cheers, Daniel. Uh, Maddie, cheers. That's how you pronounce your name. Apologies if it's not. Uh, we've got Matt. Complex goodness me. We've got 35, 40 people listening. Carolina, thank you. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I don't know what your thoughts are on all this. I don't know what the conclusion is. I'll let you decide that. Because that's what we we like to do on Teachers Talk Radio. We want to present both sides of the argument and let you, the listener, decide what you think and have a little reflect on it. So do tweet us at TT Radio 2022 and tell us what you think about the debate that you've heard today. And if you missed any of it, if you didn't catch it, then you can listen back at ttradio.org forward slash listen back. This is going to be available as a podcast in a few in about five or ten minutes time so you'll be able to listen back to to uh the show if you if you're so inclined and uh and yeah and then you can you can draw your own conclusions and tell us what you think and, and do share on as well and do uh do share because i think it's an interesting debate uh to have about this and uh yeah i think uh, as i said i think things have evolved with marking assessment maybe maybe you know other people might say they've evolved in the in a bad way you know, who knows? There's lots of different opinions out there. Anyway, everybody, that's it from me for today. See you, and see you next week. Oh, next week? Yes, next week for me. But obviously, make sure you tune into Teachers Talk Radio because the show's every day, including tomorrow. You take care, people. See you later. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.